Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Rainbow Dice Club on this special edition. We are calling this the Awfully Queer Heroes edition as we play through their wonderful module that's going to be coming out soon, which is called Rescue of Rainbow City. I have the normal gaggle of wonderful human beings with me. My name is Ariana. My pronouns are she, her. I am playing Sylviana today, whose pronouns are she, they, and I am very excited. My name is Lex. Uh, you guys typically know me as the DM, but not this week. I am playing Mochi Dikema, the forest gnome druid circle of the land. Her pronouns are she, her, and she is very excited to be joining the rest of this group. Hi, I'm Sapria or Zoop. My pronouns are she, her. Usually I play Ziva, but today I'm playing L, who has no pronouns. Hello everyone, my name is Weira. My pronouns are she, they, and I usually play Varys, um, but not today. Today I play Esper Marzina, who is a Twilight cleric, whose pronouns are they, them. And my name is Dusty, my pronouns are she, they, and I play everyone else. So before we get started, here are some content warnings. Today's episode includes cults, fantasy violence, and profanity. And since this is a one-shot, we're not going to have any priors on. We're just going to go straight into it. So buckle up. Let's do this. The Rainbow City once stood as a great beacon of equality. The pride of queer folk everywhere, the great city was a place where all were welcome a haven for individuals who flocked to it from near and far. The city hosted multiple districts within its mighty walls, each decorated in a different hue of the rainbow. The painted roofs and bright lights made the city shine on the horizon. Fine artisan crafts, the work of smiths and tailors alike, all could be found within the city. Proud warriors trained and defended its walls, and those who dwelt within enjoyed all the city had to offer. An advanced system of aqueducts brought water throughout the city, and whole areas had tended greenery that was lush all year round. Beyond technology and strong defenses, the city was also home to vast libraries and halls of study, as well as healing halls, and some of the best taverns and nightclubs the realm had ever seen. Such a wondrous place was this, that it drew the attention of those with darker motives. The Shining City caught the hungry gaze of a stunted creature known as Cathacolk. The only known of its kind, the small monstrosity snuck into the city where it made a home for itself deep within the sewers. There, it ravenously fed on the positive energy that radiated from the city and continued to devour it hungrily as it grew, far from sight. For many years, Cathacolk lurked unnoticed, but evil begets evil, and soon a small gathering of cultists discovered the monster, drawn to the subtle tide of evil that radiated from Cathacolk's hiding place. The cultists swore themselves to Cathacolk in exchange for some measure of the creature's growing power, which it gave stringently in exchange for their aid. Out of sight, festering beneath the city, Cathacolk and its cultists following grew ever larger, until the fateful day when the hungry beast decided to claim the city for itself. Engorged from years of feasting on energy, and so massive now that it could no longer move its central body, Cathacolk burst forth. Like roots exploding from soil, the many tentacles of the monster exploded from the very earth beneath the city, one limb being large enough to fill an entire street. 
With the help of its now massive cult following, Catholic slew, enslaved, or drove out the inhabitants of the city and claimed it for itself. Catholic now rests in the heart of the city, its engorged body more than 80 feet in height, an undulating mass of flesh and eyes and teeth. Each of its many limbs sprawls into one of the city districts, where it oversees the work of the cultists there. Catholic continues to feed on the city's energy, emanating its own powerful magic to bolster its cultists in maintaining their chokehold in the city. Though many have tried to proclaim the city, none have yet succeeded. The once bright streets have become a home to more than just cultists, strange creatures and monstrosities drawn to and created by the power of Catholic cult roam there as well. The cultist followers have ensured that entrance to the city is almost impossible, with both physical and magical barriers to prevent unwanted interlopers. Even the sewers now have a magical defense, and so do the skies above the once great city. These magical barriers that protect the city and separate each of the different districts are unlike anything ever before seen, woven of the same strange void magic that emanates from Cathacult and have proven immune to both brute force and magical onslaught. Only a few narrow paths into the city remain open to supply those cultists who now dwell within the walls. These arteries of goods are protected to the utmost and attempts to breach them have thus far been fruitless. The city's would-be liberators have only been successful in clearing the outermost wall, though they have been unable to hold it for long and any attempts to press further have ended in failure. Still, hope remains that the city may yet be freed from Cathacolk's dark reign and perhaps one day restored to its former glory to become a beacon of queer pride once more. We open on the early days, in the time where it seems hope is still in the air, but is quickly being squandered. We look now to a couple people who have just gotten off a boat, and we center directly on Sylvie. Sylvie, you are currently fulfilling direct orders. Smuggle in the adventurers who will become your party and help you fulfill the second part of your directive. Would you please introduce yourself to our wonderful listeners? I think that all you see right now is a hooded figure in a heavy black cloak, hood up, but it's kind of higher than a normal head would be. And if you look closely, you'd probably see that there's probably some horns underneath there. I think that Sylvie is sitting in the cart waiting for her guests to arrive, I think. Yes. So it's probably not the most luxe carriage. It's a supply carriage. There's one like Clydesdale horse in front, and then there's a bench where you hold the reins from. It's probably big enough for three people at most. And then the back is covered in just like a very plain stained cloth, something to basically keep whatever is being supplied out of the elements. So there's probably in the front, there is a a small entrance so you can like pull the back behind you just to kind of like check in on everything. And then in the back of the cart itself, there's a tarp that you pull back to either get in or put things in and then you can close it behind. So these guests do arrive. Let's go with Elle. Elle, what do you look like? Elle is a silver short haired tabaxi wearing comfortable clothes that look like they move easily. They are a dark gray color, or the the outfit is. But if Elle were to open Elle's jacket, 
and show the inside, it would be a bright golden color, but it is kept close to Elle's vest and looks ready for sneaking. Wonderful. Behind you is Mochi. Mochi, what do you look like? So Mochi is about three feet tall with a short cropped haircut of just ringlets around her head. Uh, when you look at her face, she's got this kind of almost cherubic of features with her cheeks being very, very pronounced and very, you know, puffy almost. She is she is fairly young for a gnome. She's about 40 years old, which is just reaching adulthood. And when you look at her face, you can see those young features, but you also see kind of spidering scars all the way across her face that look like she was hit almost by lightning. She wears green and purple robes that kind of drape over her and look like leaves. And she holds a staff made out of dogwood with amethyst encrusted in the hilt. At the very top of it, you can see the remnants of a purple dragonborn egg. If you'd asked her about it, it's a promise to her family to always keep them safe. A promise to her mothers and a promise to her adoptive sister, Mocha. You can also see on her hip a small rust-colored bag that seems to contrast with the green on her. And she's looking around, optimistic that this is going to go well. It's her first adventure without her sister. And she's optimistic, but not naively so. She's ready for a fight. All right. And last but certainly not least, Esper. Esper is a sight to behold. They stand about 5'9" with purplish gray skin, silver flecks or blemishes throughout, um, almost as if freckles in the shape of constellations. They have a very, very dull luminance to them almost. Their eyes are, the black, the square of their eyes are black with orange in the color of the iris. Their hair is short, buzzed at the sides with a nice undercut. And the color of it goes from deep purples and fades through Several different colors, purples and blues, pinks, oranges, reminiscent of a sunset. They look like Twilight personified, as they should, as they are a Twilight cleric. And it is very obvious when you look at their garb, it is religious and holy. They did not abscond it. In fact, they refused. It is a deep purple with silvers on it, with the symbol of Nishadi at the base of, I want to say, not, not really a skirt but certainly a longer piece to the shirt. They do, however, have a black cloak on just to show that they're trying <laughs> to be a little stealthy. And underneath that, you would see a short sword at their hip, ready for a fight, but not quite sure what's going to happen. Wonderful. All right. So this group of people steps off the boat, and Sylvie, you recognize them as the people that you are looking for. What do you do? You see a red hand adorned with a bunch of gold rings and long black fingernails come out from under the cloak and just kind of like beckon for them to come forward. Mochi seeing this and not and kind of just being hesitant all around pulls the other two back just a second and casts good berry and disperses each of them three good gives the two of them three good berries and looks at them both and just goes in case shit hits the fan. Sometimes a good berry is all you need. I know it's not much, but. It's more than nothing. If I'm not there to help you, I, I just got to make sure you guys are okay. Thank you. You see Esper's sign, one of the signs you become very familiar with, which is thank you. So with that cute little scene, have you guys traveled together before? Is this your first time? What does that look like for y'all? 
I think that we are all fairly new recruits to the resistance. We probably joined the same class, so to speak. So we've probably been trained together for a little while now. I think that's probably how they met for the first time was, was in their class and they just kind of immediately were drawn to each other because they balanced each other out a little bit. I think that as this crew knows, Esper travels around kind of like willy-nilly. They have wanderlust by appearance. I think that their god is telling them to go here and that there's a problem here that needs to be addressed. And that's usually what pulls them to where they're going. So that's why they're here. Yeah, I love this. So. Mochi, you hand out these good berries and the shadowy figure is just kind of watching you do it. Shadowy figure, what do you do now? Yeah, I'm, I just beckon them again to come to the car. All right, let's approach. Mochi takes a deep breath and steps forward. Asper shrugs and follows. So I think that we walk up to Sylvie. We haven't been briefed with too much information. Where would you like us and how do we enter the city? I suppose you should probably just hop on the cart. Um, we have about an hour before we get there. So we need to discuss things as we travel in this next hour. Hop in, please. Mochi jumps in. Okay, so the three of us get up and onto the second bench of the cart. So I think Sylvie will make the horses go. <laughs> or the, make the horse yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, so you're sitting on the bench. You're not uh, riding the horse. No, I think I'm okay. sitting, yeah. Yeah, that way she can, like, talk to them while we're traveling. Yeah, so you head down this long-ass dock. There are a lot of other ships that have come in and docked and have been emptied. Uh, you guys are in, the like, the very last row, the last parking spot. So you're making your way down this dock, and as you come up, you see just this magnificent city that you know was once thriving and full of life. And now the banners have been shredded. It looks like the vibe of it just gives off danger. Once they get, I think, a little bit far away where there's not really people, she'll just kind of glance over. I mean, you still don't see her face. She has this like very large kind of hood over her. She just goes, there's not much time now for niceties. We're about an hour away, as I said. Our goal is to make it through quietly. If we don't, this entire mission is in jeopardy and we may have to fight. But I was told you three are capable at getting through without provoking any trouble. Is that correct? We'll do our best. That's all I can ever promise anyone. Esper nods vigorously. It was suggested that we would be good for this job. All right. Who is my prisoner? Esper raises their hand. She nods. Um, and she points to the back of the cart. There's some rope there. Please tie slip knots around their wrists and ankles in case they need a quick escape. I got it. And who is my cultist? Mochi raises her hand as well at, at that point. She's just like, seeing as it's really the only other role other than hiding, and I'm not that great at that, Um, I'm going to be your cultist. Another nod from the hood, from under the hood. She hands you a robe. Put it on. And do not speak unless you are spoken to. And then she looks at Elle and says, I assume you are good at getting in undetected and springing out if need be for a fight? When we get to about five or ten minutes out, let me know and I will get under the cart. Yes, um, there's a false bottom in the cart. If you want, you can make use of that or go underneath uh, whatever works better for you. Would Sylvie know if they check 
the bottom of the cart upon entrance. You would know that if there is anything out of the ordinary, they will just go ahead and search. Okay. So um, she'll just look at Elle and say, once we are a bit closer, I will make you unseen for a while. It will help you get through in case they decide they need to look through the cart. Okay. So once we hop into the back, that's when Mochi would go and tie the slipknots for Esper. When they stop to do this adjustment, Esper's going to flop on the ground and roll around a bit just to make it look like they roughed them up before getting back into the cart. Roll me performance. Mochi's going to look at this and go, you know, I can minor illusion it, right? You feel the familiar pressure in the back of your head suggesting that they would like to speak with you telepathically, please. Mochi, familiar with this, allows it. In their head, they get projected the idea that, yes, but that could be seen through. So they see, they literally see this occultist coming up into the cart in their mind, poking Esper and it going through the illusion. <laughs> uh, 19. So you flop around on the ground like a fish, collect dirt on your clothes, it gets in your hair, your hair sort of like sticky uppies a bit, and you look, you look roughed up. Perfect. Um, they're going to wince a bit. I think looking at their hands goes and gets the water, their, their decanter, and wets the dirt and like smears it on their face and stuff and then gets in the cart. Elle is standing there with a disguise kit, just <laughs> watching this all happen. <laughs> so Elle goes to open this disguise kit to give like to start rifling through things like the, the makeup that Elle has. Elle looks down. Elle looks up, and you're already on the ground flopping like fish. <laughs> yep. They look at Elle and give two thumbs up and a shit-eating grin <laughs> before getting in the back of the cart. Mochi looks at Elle with the, with the disguise kit and just goes, oh, you gotta be fucking kidding me, and face palms right then. This combination of lack of communication going on in our team. Once Esper is done rolling around, <laughs> Elle will come up and pull out the disguise kit and draw a black eye. Yes. Thank you. Make sure it's small because I got small fists and I'm not going to believe it if it's too big. Deception. Not sleight of hand. <laughs> Can you give me a case for why it would be sleight of hand? Because it's about how precise Elle's hands are and how well they use their brush. I'll allow it. 17. Hey. It's um a beautiful black eye. You took a class back at your operation base for black eye creation, SFX makeup, and it's really coming in clutch here. It was called Deception 101, the art of makeup. In Mochi's head, uh, they see an image of Esper holding their hands out in front or behind. And as if to ask which one. I'd rather it be in front, but it's got to go behind, man, because it's not going to look real if it's in front so hands hands behind your back they look dejected and put their hands behind their back slip knots are are placed tied in a way to try and make them look like they've been wrapped around a few times but in fact they are very very loose so i think once sylvie can see the outlines of the people like on the horizon as we're getting closer. So Sylvie will just literally just reach over and like tap a finger on the top of your hand and you will just see your hand will start to fade away. And then little by little, the entirety of yourself goes invisible and you are gone. And once we get close, Elle will say, stop here. Give me 20 seconds. Look like you're checking your horse and I will be under the cart. 
All right. Um, don't fall. No chance of it. Starting now, we are in dangerous territory, so everyone play their part. Awesome. This is going to be fun. But you are now coming up to the gates of the city. There are currently five white cultists guarding this entrance. So two cultists come up to the cart now. One of them, the taller of the two, goes, state your business. She looks over at them and they can see her face. And she looks very, very annoyed immediately. She goes, regular supply run. I picked up a prisoner I think the order will find very interesting. This one, as she points to Mochi, wants to join the ranks. She helped me subdue them. And don't worry, if she doesn't work out, I'll take care of her. Mochi's eyes widen at that statement, but then she quickly like, kind of shakes her head and returns to a more reserved kind of expression, uh, gripping her staff very tightly. Um, the cultist nods and goes, present the symbol. She lets out a sigh. And she goes, you know, I'm feeling very generous today, considering I've made a good catch. And she looks back at Esper. And because of that, I am going to give you about 30 seconds to let me pass and get on with my business. Otherwise, I am going to murder you. She kind of like takes her hand up and she flexes out her fingers and then she flexes them into a fist like back and forth a couple of times. And they will see this kind of big gold ring on her finger that has the insignia of like signifying that she's like a high ranking cult member. Yeah. And she just is looking like straight ahead, like towards the gates waiting to be let in. Wonderful. And now is where we're going to roll that check. All of the things. Okay. What are we rolling? All of the things. Uh, I'm. We're just going to go with a giant group deception check. Fuck. Is it a natural one? It's a 12. The cultist nods and he motions for the other three to come over and goes, it's going to take longer than 30 seconds, but we're going to search your cart. And the three start searching around and... Now is where I'm going to do individual checks. So L, with advantage, roll me a stealth check. Would you let me know when we get to about like 20 seconds? Once tw once we get to 20 seconds in this scene, please. Yeah, that's a 26. Yeah. So one of the cultists looks underneath the cart and just sort of like does a periphery glance, doesn't see anything and comes back up. And then another cultist is going to walk over to Esper. Esper, make me a deception check. With advantage. I think that Esper's gonna play that they're knocked out. Knocked to fuck out. Uh, 18. Okay. One of the guards nudges you with their boot, and there's something off about you. 18? They rolled a 19. Motherfuckers! Fuck. Cool. And so they grab you by, like, the scruff of your coat mm -hmm. and haul you up. They stay limp. <laughs> they drag you out. And then we're gonna cut over to Mochi. Mochi, another of these cultists, like gets up in your face. Roll me a deception check with advantage. That's a 19. They just believe you. This is now about 20 seconds have passed. Two of the cultists have Esper in a death grip. They've hauled Esper out of the cart. Okay, so Sylvie stands up. She takes off her, her hood, revealing a red tiefling with very, very, very dark 
brown eyes, straight black hair that comes down to like her butt, basically. Thick horns that go from red and they spiral back and down and around her ears and fade to like a, a grayish, like black color. She has piercings all from like the top to the bottoms of her ears and a septum piercing. She still has the cloak on like covering her outfit, but she stands up and she's just going, all right, 10, nine, I am telling you now, if you do not put my catch back in the cart, you are going to regret it. And as she does that, she casts Vomiturgy and her eyes just like flood into this like black, like inky black color. And she just is like seven, six, and she's just waiting. Mochi's gonna also minor illusion it to look like blood is running down her eyes. That's metal. Can I intimidate? <laughs> yeah, give me an intimidation check. With advantage? With advantage, because I'm advantage. helping. That's metal as fuck. I love that. Mm -hmm. Buddy! Natural That's 20. That's a natural 20, 20 on her Dude. partner's die. Woohoo! For a 26. As I sadly close out of my combat tracker, <laughs> the two cultists just toss Esper back into the, into the cart. They toss you so forcefully that you take two damage. <laughs> as you bounce you got three good berries buddy <laughs> and the main cultist just nods and goes on your way and like stiffly turns around and walks away she gets back in the cart and and mochi said they just see uh panic as for panicking in the back <laughs> so <laughs> they let you go they let you through and you have a clear direct path to where you would like to go next where are you heading so we're heading to the Allied Advance in the White District. As soon as we clear the gate, Sylvie takes off her robe and she's wearing a like white high collar button up shirt with gold buttons and a fitted crushed velvet mossy green button up blazer with gold trim, matching pants and like brown boots. And she turns around and looks into the cart and she just has this like big warm smile on her face and she just goes... Right, sorry about all that seriousness before. Have to put on a bit of a show with the cultists. I channel my partner Amelia for all things cult-related. They are eerily good at being intimidatingly bored. Anyway, I'm Sylviana, Sylvie if you like it short, and I am incredibly grateful to have you along for this mission. Mochi, still, still kind of intimidated by this intimidation that she helped them with, uh, looks at Sylvie and just, she's got four remaining good berries. She hands two of those good berries over to Sylvie and goes, in case of emergencies, apparently. Just in case. Here you go. Thank you. Hey, Elle, you want to come out? You say that, and behind you, you hear, I'm already out. <laughs> Shoddy damn it. What the fuck, man? Izzy asks her whip their head around and look at Mochi. She knocks on the cart and just kind of like, Esper, buddy, you doing okay? You're groaning in the back. Oh god, no, they're making noise. That's not good. They don't make noise often. They emerge out of the back and looks at Mochi, like, just kind of squinting their eyes, little little glare. What? I didn't do it. And they they take out a notebook from their from their hip and write really quickly and turn it around to show Mochi and it says, You took my god's name in vain, Mochi. <laughs> Mochi just looks like, oh, right. Gods are a thing people care about. You feel your hair getting patted down. They look around and start like feeling the air. So with a ghost patting your hair down, <laughs> you guys make your way into what is called the White District. The White District is a fringe area. 
This district features mostly houses as well as a few smaller shops. With the coming of Cathacauk, many of the original inhabitants have abandoned this area. Houses stand empty in rows, streets once filled with passers-by, and carts are now silent under the shadow of the city walls. Signs of conflict are visible here and there, such as houses missing portions of their roofs or scorch marks from spells along the side of the walls. Most things that would be of any use have long since been looted and sold off. An occasional broken barrel or upturned cart are the only signs of what was left behind. A gentle wind blows through the empty streets, disturbing leaves and dust. The early efforts of the Allied advance to reclaim the city successfully won back this district, though it has little in way of strategic resources. So as we're driving through the city, nobody else sees this since Elle is still invisible, but Elle glances fondly, longingly, sadly as you pass a house and unbeknownst to any of you, it is the house that Elle and Elle's partners lived in before the Cathacolk came. Elle, I want to give Elle a hug. You can't, Elle's invisible. <laughs> I know. I love that. Thank you for that moment. So as you enter the white district and you see all these things that are around you, it is very quiet here. It looks deserted. Sylvie, you know that there is a little house connected to a couple other houses innocuous, run down. But if you knock three times in its distinct pattern, a little hatch will open. And from that hatch, you see a pair of raven eyes as a Kenku goes, password? Sapphire. As you say sapphire, the hatch closes again and you hear like 10 different locks open and the door creaks open and the Kenku goes, hello, Sylvie. Hello. Is Zayla around? The Kenku thinks about it for a moment and goes, yes, war room. All right. Thank you. The Kenku nods and lets all four of you in, closes the door, and you just see this like menagerie of different types of locks. A couple of them are arcane. A couple of them are just regular mechanical locks. And this Kenku spends another minute just locking all of them up and then sits down on a stool and takes out a book and starts reading. So you guys go down this long hallway. At first, matches the outside. It looks a little bit run down. Obviously, they're just kind of making repairs so that the structural integrity stands. And you go farther and farther, hook a sharp right, and a giant hole in the wall is there. And you realize that all of these houses, this line of houses has been converted to basically a base of operations. The only entrance into this place is the one that the Kenku let you through. I'm going to nom a good berry on the way in. So L has taken, you don't know where L pulled this out of, but a needle and thread and has threaded through the three good berries into a necklace so that it's easy for someone if L goes down to stick it in L's mouth or L can pull it from L's neck and feed somebody. Like a candy necklace at a rave. I love it. <laughs> Mochi looks around and just is like, Wow, this is incredible. I didn't realize they would con they could convert an like an entire row of houses like this. Yes, um I mean we really had no choice. Have to keep everything, you know, tip-top secret around here. We walk to the war room. Esther follows behind closely, take kind of like looking around at everything, taking it in as they as they go. But stays close. Yeah, it's like 
an eclectic mix of different types of rooms. First one you walk into is obviously a tavern setting, like where there once was a fireplace, now has a couple different tankards of ale set up within the fireplace. There is a bar that's been crudely created. There's a bar person behind the bar. People drinking, laughing, having a good time. As Sylvie passes, a lot of them go, hey Sylvie, hi Sylvie. Good to see you're not dead, Sylvie. She's just waving and nodding back. You continue through hole after hole after hole. And finally, you come to one where it looks more like an entryway into a proper house. And up the stairs, down a corridor, and Sylvie knocks on a door, and Zalia Brightstrike answers the door. Before you is a half-orc commander. She is a strong-built orc with broad shoulders, wearing a mix of plate and scale mail. Her black hair is tied back into a tight ponytail, and her face is locked in a stern and contemplative frown as she opens the door. You see a broad sword resting on her back, and she looks over the lot of you, takes you in, stares you down, looks at Sylvie and goes, all right, come on. These are the new recruits. We did not die on the way in. Happy to report. Congratulations. Esther gives two thumbs up. Elle's gray eyes dart around the room to take it in, and Elle's whiskers sort of twitch a little. So Zayla lets you guys into this room, and it is by definition a war room. There is a giant table in the middle. There are plans everywhere. Uh, things have been crossed off, crumpled to the ground, thrown into a waste bin. There's little miniatures depicting the different places. There's like an honest-to-God diagram of the city just in the middle of this table. And Zayla goes to the other side of it and stands at attention with her arms behind her back. She goes, okay. Elle mimics the pose. She pauses for a moment and just kind of looks you over, and then goes, I take it you've been briefed on the situation, correct? Esther does like the so-so motion with her hand. Which situation are you referring to? <laughs> Zayla looks out the window at the devastation and uh, motions to it and goes, you know, uh, the fact that the this city is literally taken over by cultists? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, we've been briefed on that. We know about that. We don't know our role in this whole whole thing. Right, and right, right. Your objective is simple. There is a device that has been rumored to have been created in order to allow the cultists and everybody else to safely maneuver through the city. Cathacolk is growing. There is no way around it. The monstrosity is growing and it is gathering arcane energy. There are other districts where we are not able to get through because there is a magic void shield that encompasses its fucking arm. I don't like that. No. So do we need to destroy the void? We don't have the ability to do that. Okay, so that still doesn't answer my question as to what our job is. Cathagulk is growing. There's a device that has been rumored to help the cultists get around. And then there's a magic barrier around an important part of where Cathagulk is. You were brought in to get those plans for that device. Ah. I was told that you were smart and could get into places. We have been practicing, yes. Okay, great. So here's what's going to happen. You guys are going to go to the Silver District and you're going to go to the bank. You're going to go to either the 
third or fourth floor. I'm not sure exactly where they are keeping those secrets, but you will be retrieving the documentation for what is called the Iris. To reach the bank in the Silver District, do we all need to dress as cultists? It would probably be wise, I think. We have enough robes. We don't have any more of the rings, but if you would like to go that route, you can. Or if you want to just run your fucking asses off and get there, I don't care what you do as long as you come back with those plans. You know, I can I can run pretty fast. She's a gnome. She cannot run very fast. I mean, I think with my ring, um, we should be able to get them past as initiates. No one really fucks with me anymore. I've gotten very good at being, like, very intimidating, um, so... You really have. It is actually very impressive. Thank you. I have been practicing. Mesper takes out the notebook and writes down a question, passes the book to the commander, or slides it on the table. Zayla picks it up and reads it. It says, do you have plans for the building? Is there another way in, or do we just walk in the front door? Zayla reads it and looks up at you, and as she talks, starts signing in common. Oh, hey. And goes, there is only one entrance to the bank that has not been blocked off. There are four floors, and from what I understand, the cultists have put measures in to protect it on each floor. Seeing that Zayla speaks, a common sign, they light up and just start upscaling the book entirely and sign back <laughs> to Zayla. Perhaps it's not a good idea to go into the building as initiates if it's high security area. Best bet might be sneaking in the back, question mark. Zayla says and signs, it is not a headquarters per se. It is a holding place for things. So it is not a high security in the terms of like bodies being there. It is high security in the terms of they have set traps and things along those lines so that people going in don't come back out unless they were meant to be there. They nod. All right, we dress as initiates. Robes for everyone. Um, they slide the book back and put it on their hip. All right, I guess go grab your robes. I wonder if we should wait till the cover of night. Maybe we should wait for nightfall. My thought was that if we left closer to dusk, it'll be dark by the time we get to the Silver District. Fair enough. So we will wait for dusk, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. We will put on our cult robes. And we will sneak there stealthily. I think Esther's going to uh, give Sylvie the book to, and explain to Sylvie about the process of them trying to connect telepathically so that she's not fucking scared by it. And also informs the group that they can give them really good ability to see in the dark. Just let them know before they go in. It only lasts a short period of time, so. Yeah, Sylvie's like, oh yes, um, absolutely. Speak in my head whenever you want to. It's totally cool. Give a thumbs up and they seem really excited about it. Awesome. So you guys, like you said, wait until the cover of night. And as soon as the last dredges of sunlight falls below the city line, you guys take a step out into the night and hear the sounds of the dark. You hear the birds, you hear the crickets, and it is quieter than it was earlier. And it was pretty quiet early. Do you make your way to the Silver District? Yep. And are you taking the cart with you or are you going on foot? I think we're going on foot. Mm -hmm. I feel like we'll draw less attention on foot. And I think that Sylvie will... There is a shortcut um, through the graveyard that will lead us into the district. Should be totally fine. 
We can get there quicker, so that's good, right? Yes. I don't see a problem with it, you know? Ghosts are ghosts. They're going to follow us even if we're not in the graveyard, so whatever. <laughs> that's where chills their head at that. Not seeming very comfortable with the idea of undead, but... I mean, it's usually fine. I don't really, you know, traipse around there very often, but we're capable and strong, so I have complete faith in us. Okay. You guys make your way to the graveyard. And it's about a 30-minute walk to the graveyard, but you know that as soon as you get through it, it takes maybe five minutes to get through the graveyard itself, you will be at the bank. The graveyard entrance has this massive, elaborate, gaudy entrance that says Silver District Graveyard on it. The gates are open, and you don't see anything inside. There is a path leading you through the graveyard with headstones on either side, a mausoleum in the distance. Do you head in? Yeah, we head through. Yes. Mm -hmm. Why not? Everybody make perception checks. 12. That is a dirty 25. Uh, 22. Esper, in the distance, you see a kobold wearing simple clothes hunched over a gravestone with a small brush cleaning it off. Esper sees it, really like leans forward to like make sure that they are seeing their living person and then smacks Mochi and L <laughs> in the show in the arms simultaneously. Mochi absolutely was just looking up at the sky being like, you know, it's a beautiful night out. This is great. This is the weather is gorgeous. And then reaches over and also taps Sylvie's arm points in the direction of the groundskeeper. Does Sylvie know the groundskeeper? Yes. How well? I think in passing. I don't think you know his name, but I think that you have seen each other before. I think she'll just look at the group when Esper points that out and just go, He's all right, just the groundskeeper. No, no worries. He won't rat us out or anything. Um, in Sylvie's mind, uh, Esper uh, projects the image of the groundskeeper getting angry at them for trespassing. Is that a possibility? They just kind of wave their hand dismissively and like they wave them off. Like, no big deal. They're not. Just don't, like, trample any of the the gravestones, I guess. I don't see why he would be upset with us. But I guess we're going to find out. So as you guys get closer to this kobold, he hears the footsteps and looks up and sees you and goes, You lot lost? Just making our way through. He looks at Al and goes, But your team already came through for the night. We're changing things up. We're the backup team. The backup team? We do the sweep, the secondary sweep. To make sure that the, the first, the front line didn't, didn't fuck it up. We're getting trained. All right. Um, we're just making our way to the bank. Figured this was a quicker route. So I have a question for you, Sylvie. Oh boy. When you've seen the groundskeeper before, were you in your cultist robes at all times? Yeah, I feel like for the most part, I think that Sylvie travels in their robes. Unless she's inside of the safe house. Okay. He sees Sylvie, has seen Sylvie many times before, recognizes the signet on Sylvie's hand and goes, you, and points. Yes. Do me a favor. Anything? Well, no. What is it? He laughs and goes, tell Revan I don't need all this shit in my graveyard. Can do. All right. Come on. And he nods and goes back to cleaning. We walk. He lets you go. A little ways away as for face bombs. <laughs> So did I not need to lie? Did I just need to like shut the f shut up? Uh, as for does the I don't know motion. I think if we say we're recruits, that explains why we're 
getting led on the same path that someone else has. Sylvie just nods. <laughs> we are doing a great job. So you pass through this graveyard with no other instances. You don't see any undead. You don't see anything out of the ordinary. The only thing is you kind of hear the groundskeeper mutter to himself angrily as you guys get out of earshot. He says something to the effect of, I don't know why they need to always fucking come through here. I think that I just want them left alone. They don't, they always disturb the spirits and the spirits. And it trails off as you go farther away from him. You make it through the other side of the graveyard and immediately are deposited in front of the Silver District Bank. The exterior of the bank is grand silver stone, modestly trimmed with paintwork and decorated with gold ornaments around its entrance to demonstrate its great wealth and power. A spacious gold and silver cotton flag marked with the building's recognizable insignia of a stack of coins flaps proudly in the wind outside. Well, that looks like a bank if I've ever seen one. So we found the place. In all three of your minds at the same time, Esper projects the image of putting a hand on your shoulder and casting some sort of magic. And it's like, now is a good time. How long does it last? Mochi looks at you and goes, if, the, if, if now's the time, then might as well do this. And she like kind of grabs everybody into a circle and casts paths without a trace. Esper puts their hands out um, in kind of a open prayer, sort of as if they're giving a sermon and smiles in your head. You see a kind of like this image of this is what I see. And your vision expands to 300 feet in the, in the dark. That's so cool. So now you see 300 feet as if you're in dim light. Esper, this is pretty, pretty amazing. She says as she kind of is like looking around. They do a little bow <laughs> as in thanks. So just the front door is the only way in. Yeah. Sylvie will look at Al. I will do an investigation of the door. Okay. That is a 25. It's a mimic. No, I'm kidding. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Al gives a once over and then nods. The door easily swings open and inside the interior has a polished limestone floor that is kept pretty clean. The room is supported by several thick marble pillars that rise to meet the tall ceiling. The ceiling is decorated with carved limestone arches that start above the rows of counters and end at the ceiling's peak. A row of thick wood and glass-faced counters line the far wall, raised a few feet to look down over the hall like a judge in court. In the middle of this room is a podium with a giant red button on it. Regardless of the fact that you guys have made no noise and that you are basically like shadows at this point, something triggers as soon as the four of you enter. The door behind you shuts, locks, and the entrance that you saw to a set of stairs also shuts and locks. Just based on what's happened, can we tell that this is like a motion based issue or is it like because we made noise? With our footsteps that everything's shutting, like getting shut. It's a motion-based thing. So now you have no exit. You can't go up the stairs. You can't go back out. And you have a podium that has a giant red button on it. So we have how many marble pillars? Several. Several. Okay. So I will stealth up to the podium and investigate it. Roll me a check. Do stealth first and then an investigation. Okay. Stealth is a 23. Okay. A 15. Okay. So like a shadow, you slink your way over up to this podium and take a look around it. And you don't see anything that like jumps out at you other than the fact that this is like a giant red button. It's about the size of your hand and it's domed. But there's no other indicating marks. Correct. 
I motion over to people. Is there literally anything else in this room? There is the teller stations. There's a couple chairs. There's desks, like freestanding desks, where you would assume the personal bankers would do their business at. There's like papers kind of scattered around, but they're bank statements. Is it dusty? I'm dusty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but no, it is not. Um, any statues or anything kicking around or nope. artwork? Okay. We can check the teller station or we can press this button. Esper heads towards the teller station. I would like to make sure that there's no like pressure plates on the floor though. Yeah, investigation. Okay. <laughs> That's only a 10. So you try out a couple of the tiles below you like gingerly placing your foot and nothing happens and so you just continue to walk forward towards the teller stations the teller stations are that the wood that i was talking about earlier and there is a sheet of thick glass encasing it like to prevent robberies from happening there is a way to go behind the teller station but it is locked can we jump over the locked no it is encased in glass even the top yes it goes up to the ceiling wow okay this is in like a recessed part, so it's not as high as like the tall, tall ceilings. So we either button, break the glass, or we hit the button. In all of your heads, you see an image of the lock beside the teller station and thieves tools or like a lock pick device for the lock. Okay. I go try to unlock the teller station door. Okay. Give me a roll. 13. You're unable to break through. It seems like there's magic stopping you. I can't seem to crack this one, Esper. I cast Guidance and try to encourage them to try again. Does a... Yeah, 17 hits. Okay. So as you cast magic, you hear a little thing and a dart flies out from the ceiling and hits you. Can I deflect the missile? Would you like to try? I can use my reaction to defect or catch the missile. You don't have to roll to catch it, but you you reduce the damage. And if you reduce the damage to zero, you can catch the missile. So you catch this dart in midair. Esper looks at L and is very thankful. So Sylvie was holding a piece of like a strip of leather in their hand and was about to cast something. And as soon as they see that, they put the piece of leather back in their pouch. <laughs> All right. So no magic, it seems. Um, I kind of want to hit this big red button. I'm not going to lie. I think that that would be wise. I think it's our only choice, honestly. Mochi looks over at Esper and is like, like, what else do you think we should do? There's nothing we can't. They just do they do a shrug motion. We can't do anything else. It's it's literally, it's the big red button. I'm going to do the thing I did to the cultists before, but like not in a threatening way. Um, five seconds or I'm hitting the button. If anyone has an idea, I'm all ears. Uh, Esper quickly gets away from the teller station and goes over to the podium and takes up one position on the uh, compass tracking and looks around and waits. <laughs> Sylvie hits the button. You hit the button and you hear a very loud horn. Great. <laughs> and from the ceiling, projected down onto the tile below you, is a countdown of 30 seconds. 30. As for looks at Sylvie. 29. Is there is there a sensor or a mechanism that we can see? 28. I'm going to I'm going to investigate the door to the stairs to see if it's really there. It's locked. 27. 
there is a door there. Hold on, I'm I'm starting my timer. No. There is a door there, <laughs> um, but it is currently locked, and there is a magical shield in front of it. Mochi is going to go into her little pocket and throw out a puffball and hope to whatever god may exist above her that she gets a big animal out of this. Before you can do that, as you're in the middle of casting it, a dart comes out. That is eight points of damage. Yeah, so um, I guess what it looks like is that Mochi like digs into her bag and throws out this little like puffball of light, and but it like starts to starts to develop into a shape. <laughs> this dart just <gasps> cuts through it and bursts this blob of light into nothingness. The door is the shield over it, you said? It's a magical shield over the door? Yeah, it's a magical shield. Is that the only thing blocking the door? It's also locked, but yeah. Uh, Esper quickly uh, kind of moves her hands in uh, a counterclockwise motion. Oh. I go stand next to Esper. Thank you. Uh, Esper looks at Ellen, thumbs up, uh, does their hands in a counterclockwise motion, and kind of links the fingers, uh, the index and the, the middle finger together in a chain-like link connection and severs it. And the cast dis- dispel magic at that shield. You are able to dispel the magic. However, the door is still locked. That's okay. And 10. I go unlock the door. Nine. Eight. Oh my God, the pressure. Seven. Okay, that is a natural 20. Six. So you pick the lock open as it hits one. As it hits one, nothing happens. And the door unlocks to the entrance. (laughs) Esper falls to the floor. Mochi, like, literally stops, drops everything, and just falls onto the ground and screams into the stone flooring as loud as her little lungs can possibly manage because she's just, the stress of that for literally nothing was so mortifying. Ari, you look so mad. I wasted a spell slot. I wasted a puffball. Elle looks at everyone and says, well, we were told there were going to be interesting traps and heads up the stairs. <laughs> Esper projects in the brain, like the words literally written on paper. I wonder if they know that the gays don't do well with panic. <laughs> Esper pulls himself off the floor and heads upstairs. As we're walking up the stairs, Sylvie takes a piece, a strip of leather out of her, back out of her pouch. She kind of crushes it underneath her fingernails and this black smoke comes out of it and envelops her as she casts mage armor on herself. Okay. Do you guys make it up to the second floor? You open the door and it is just cubicles. It is a literal maze of cubicles. And how we're going to do this is I'm going to have one of you, do you, does anybody have a coin? Yep. Flip a coin for right or left. Uh, heads right, tails left. It's heads. <laughs> right. Okay. So you guys head right. So keep that coin out because you're going to be doing this. Oh, we're fucking heads and tailsing through the maze. You are. You're heads and tails. You're going to let fate decide it. So you guys have just turned right. You go down a little bit, a couple of the cubicles, and you. somebody give me a perception check. 19. So Esper, you see on one of the desks a slip of paper that has scrawled on it the number 42. That's the meaning of life. Esper goes to check it out. (laughs) I was going to say. It's a scrap of paper. They will take the scrap of paper with number 42 and go back to the crew and show them. Elle does want to look around into a couple, the first two cubicles to kind of 
suss out what they look like. Everything, everything is empty. You see like a couple pictures of loved ones and some dead house plants, but other than that, it's pretty empty. Right or left? <laughs> right. You are not allowed. Uh, so you turn right and go deeper into this maze, and it is a dead end. Turn around. Turn around, go back. You go left this time. Uh, and this is a little bit of a straighter path. And at the end of the path, you see taped onto the wall. Uh, somebody give me a perception check or investigation check. I can do investigation. That is a 21. Okay, so L, you see taped onto the wall another scrap of paper with the number 37 on it. This seems important. Let's keep them in order. Esper gives a thumbs up. Right or left. Can I just roll a d4 and odds and evens? If you want. <laughs> is it painful for you to watch me try to scramble and catch this? So odds is left even as um, right. Heads again. It's right. <laughs> it was going to be right. That's fine. Go. Hey. So you guys take a right and it is more of the same. More of these gray washed out cubicles winding around. But you do come across a desk that looks different than the others. This one is a dark brown. All the other ones are gray. Yeah, all the other ones are gray. On top of the desk is another slip of paper. I investigate the whole the whole cubicle. Open all of the drawers. Uh, give first. Give me an investigation check. Twenty six. You're in trouble. So you go to open this desk to look at the top, and you see that the slip of paper actually doesn't have anything on it. <gasps> Trick. And so you pull away. And just as you do, the top of the desk opens and snaps at you, and it's a mimic roll for initiative. Yes. Wow. Piece of shit. Guess what I got? A one? Yeah. <laughs> I got a natural one for a total of seven. Fifteen. Is Ari or, or Ashley Johnson? I roll <laughs> notoriously bad on initiative rolls. Okay, so... Sylvie got a one. Sylvie got a seven. Seven? Total. Seventeen. 18. I don't want to go first, though. Can I abscond? <laughs> yeah, if you would like to delay your turn, you can. I would like to delay to second, if possible. Okay. So then, Mochi, you're first. You have just seen a brown desk open its maw and snap at L. As it does that, I'm just going to hold my hand out. There's nothing in it, but Mochi goes and just blows at her hand, and this smattering of purple kind of goes and lands on it and I need them I need the mimic to make a con save please a 17 they pass so nothing happens yeah so you almost reactionary as this thing snaps throw your hand out and the mist sort of misses it sprinkles on the floor I was casting poison spray uh Esper go Esper claps both of their hands together and mouths some sort of vocal some verbal component that you do not hear and they seem to do almost a pulling motion from their right hand and out of it comes this magical energy sparkling kind of like twilight as it forms a lance they cast holy lance at the mimic all right roll that sweet sweet roll roll that sweet sweet lance <laughs> yeah that's uh, 22 to hit that hits perfect give me some damage it's 11 points yeah so you square hit this thing in its desk area <laughs> it's desk face 
and it squeals in frustration. It is now the Mimic's turn. So it is going to go after Mochi because Mochi just tried to go after it. And it is going to bite or attempt to bite Mochi. That does not hit. So the desk smashes into the wall beside you as it has attempted to bite you, but it does not hit. So with that, it is now Elle's turn. Mm, fuck it up, Elle. Fuck it up. Elle is going to shoot out Elle's claws and Elle is going to take a unarmed strike with the cat claws. Okay. So that is a 21 to hit. Before we do that, though, since you did hit it, I need you to make me a uh, dexterity saving throw. Okay, that's another natural 20. Yep. So if you had rolled lower, you would have stuck to the top of the desk. However, you are able to pull back quick enough. So give me that damage roll, please. 1d6 plus 4, so that's 6 points of damage, and then I will use my bonus action to take another unarmed strike with my cat claws. Okay, roll again for me. That's legit another natural 20. <laughs> yep. So you bap it and roll back. Holy shit. Is that your third one? Yeah, that's my third one. And that is a 19 to hit. It hits. Give me the damage. All right, um, and that is a, another seven points of damage. Wonderful. It does not feel bonita, but that is Sylvie's turn. Sylvie just whispers something under her breath in Infernal, and if anyone hears it, it sounds very, very scary. And she <laughs> flicks her pointer finger against her thumb, and as she does, a little moat of fire just flies off of her fingertip towards the Mimic and does a 18 hit. It does. It is naked, guys. It, it doesn't have a high AC. It takes 12 points of fire damage as she flings this little kind of ball of fire. And as she does it, like you see the shadow of it in her dark eyes as it like flicks in front of her face. Um, and as it hits the desk, I think it, you know, kind of gets a little bit bigger. Yeah, it does. As it catches. It singes the top of this desk. And once again, you hear it roar in pain. And that is Mochi's turn. Mochi's just gonna, she's gonna maintain that 10 foot distance from it and try her poison spray again. So she's going to, you know, blow at her hand and kind of whisper some words at it. And uh, I need another con save. And that is a 15. And that's, that's her turn. She's just going to keep trying to do that because I don't want to waste a spell slot. Fair enough. So unfortunately, once again, the mist does miss. Uh, and then that is Esper's turn. Esper's going to repeat, because I don't also don't want to waste a spell slot. Cantrips, <laughs> baby! Cantrips for the win! Once again, same thing. Esper's going to pull the energy out of the right hand and kind of fling their left one out towards it. And from their palm, this beam of twilight energy lances out and strikes the mimic. Does it, though? Uh, 24, I would say so. <laughs> no, you know, surprisingly enough, it doesn't. It doesn't hit the mimic. His AC it goes up? So strong. It, it does. It, it goes up situationally. <laughs> I understand, bro. I would do the same. It hits. That sounds like bullshit to me. <laughs> and that is eight points of radiant damage. Oh, wait, 11. Sorry, 11 points of radiant damage. All right, yeah. So you uh, once again spear this thing in its desk face, and it doesn't like it. It does not like it whatsoever. But the mimic is going to try to bite you, um, Esper. No. Yeah. Leave my little baby alone. That is going to hit. That is a 21. No, it doesn't hit. Sorry. <laughs> that situational AC raise, right? Yep. 
<laughs> okay, so that is going to be... Where's my d8? That is going to be 10 points of damage. No! Not half, because I'm not Ferris. Ten points of damage. Because I'm not raging. Ten full points raging. of damage. And I also need you to roll me a strength saving throw. A strength saving throw? Do not get sticky to it. Oh, no. That's a, that's a three, guys. Yeah, so you are grappled. <laughs> this thing has a sticky hold on you. It's got its tongue wrapped around you, and you're unable to break free. Esper looks very uncomfortable at the others, like, oh, <laughs> gross. <laughs> and that's the turn. Now it's Elle's turn. Elle is going to jump back a little bit and is going to send two radiant sunbolts. Yes. Which are ranged attacks. Yeah, do it up. All right. Esper closes their eyes against the bright light. That is a 17 to hit and a 26. Both hit. Fuck it up. Is 13. It looks bloodied. It looks like it's on death's fucking door. Good. Sylvie, what you got for me? If I throw fire at it, will I throw fire at Esper as well? Depends on how low you roll. I really like that you only asked that with Esper. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> it's a new character, different character, different mindset. I love it. Sorry, Varys. <laughs> I would like to, can I try to pull Esper out of the grass? Yeah. To do that strength? Yeah. That is a 19, baby. Yeah, you're able to do it, but also give me a dexterity check. Oh, fuck. What am I giving you, a dexterity saving throw or? Yeah, a dexterity saving throw, yeah. That is very good. That is a 19 as well. She puts her hand out to Esper. They take it and she fucking yanks them out. They're so relieved. Perfect. That's exactly what happens. You hear a slorp as uh, Esper is free. And Mochi, that is your turn. Mochi is... So this thing's looking pretty fucked up, right? Yes, it's looking like it's on death's door. Shake a bitch. She's going to forego the poison spray, and you see her kind of, like, kind of wrap her her hand around. She kind of, like, using her her focus, she kind of pulls what looks like a big thorned vine out of nothing, and she's going to attempt to thorn whip Whip it. Whip it. That is an 18 to hit. Whip it real good. Whip it real good. And that is 10 piercing damage. So, Mochi, how would you like to kill it? I think the, what it's going to happen is this thorn whip is going to hit it and wrap around. And as it kind of pulls it, because you're pulling that thorn whip tighter and pulling it in, the thorns are going to dig into the mimic so much that you see that the wooden... The false wooden surface starts to crack and crumble underneath the thorns and the pressure of this of this vine until it finally just rips in half. I love it. Yeah, you guys defeat the mimic desk that was placed here. By those bastard cultists. Yeah, by those bastard cultists who you haven't seen hide nor hair of, by the way. I know. A little weird, don't you think? It is a little weird. Very. I think they went the wrong direction. Sylvie's the BBEJ now. <laughs> I do need a right or left now. Which way y'all going? D4. Left. Left. Okay. You go left. Nothing out of the ordinary. No brown desks. But Sylvie, give me a um, perception check. Dirty 20. You see another slip of paper, this time on the floor by your foot. Okay. It has the number 07 on it. Right or left? Left. Okay, you go left. Uh, Mochi, give me a perception check. 22. 
you see a slip of paper that was kind of like tossed into one of the um, upper cabinets and the paper says zero one on it. Who's the tallest amongst us all? Actually, no, I look over at Al and I just go, hey, you, you think you can jump up there and grab it? I can't reach that easily. Thank you. So now all of you have a slip of paper that has numbers on it, correct? Mm-hmm. Right or left? Right. Dead end. Left. <laughs> Definitely left. <laughs> you had left and you are officially out of the maze and into a stairwell. That just seems like a hostile work environment across <laughs> the board. Mimic aside, <laughs> having to go through a literal fucking maze to find your desk. The mimic was the supervisor. Wow, welcome to healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, seems like it. All right, do you guys go up to the third floor? Fuck yeah, we do. I investigate the staircase to make sure there's no traps. Go for it. In 18. The whole staircase is a mimic. No, I'm kidding. No. It's no. good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's just mimic after mimic after it's, mimic. <laughs> oops, all mimics. <laughs> the bank is a mimic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are the mimics. <laughs> it was the mimics inside us all along. <laughs> Maybe Mimic can be our always. Uh, Do you guys go up the stairs? Yes. Sweet. Okay, so you get up to the third floor and there is a giant vault on this floor that is locked. There is a spin dial on the front of it. You remember? You remember Zayla telling you that the documents might be in this vault or they might be on the fourth floor. Where's the stairs for the fourth floor? Do we see stairs? Uh, it is a stairwell that you guys are in now. Okay, so the stairs could keep going up. It's probably on the fourth floor, right? I mean, I was going to say maybe we should just kind of take a quick poke upstairs and then decide what we want to get into. I Because I feel like this is another trick. How close to the vault is the dial? It's on the door. It's so there's no gap between the door and the... It's a big, heavy metal door. This is too easy. We should go up to the fourth floor. I think if we open this, it's just going to be another trap. Above table, I think we should at least go take a gander at the fourth floor and then make our decision about what we want to get into first. <laughs> That's my thought process. I, 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 th- I agree as a player. Yeah. My character wants to get into the vault, though. <laughs> I think Mochi is going to do what we all don't want to do or at- recommend. She's going to say, why don't like Esper and I start working on the dial to try and figure out what the combination might be. And you guys go take a quick peek upstairs. So one thing we learned very early on, maybe you missed the class, was that we do not ever split the party because that is how. But it sounds like, you know, since there's a stairwell that we can literally just yell saying something's going on. That it's not the end of the world. Esper projects to all three of you that they have a 50-foot range for this telepathy thing. All right. I mean. But they're going up the stairs anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Then Mochi looks at you all and goes, if, well, if, fine, I I was only going to recommend it if we split it evenly. I'm not going to stay down here alone. I'll go with everybody. You guys head up to the fourth floor and there is a solid oak door between you and the fourth floor like on the staircase like on the landing so we have two locked doors you don't know if it's locked i push at it there is a handle it doesn't open because the door is closed (laughs) would you like to turn the handle (laughs) yes i will i will turn i will turn the handle stealthily okay give me a roll 
That is a 25. Yes. Okay. So you are able to open this door quietly as it glides open. It reveals what looks to be the most lavish office that you've ever seen in your entire life. It is like gold and white gilded. There's tiles on the floor, luxe furniture, plants that are alive and happy and thriving. And there's windows just paneling an entire wall. At the very end of this office is a desk and there is a chair behind the desk with its back to you. Motherfucker. Elle stealthily opens it, takes a peek, closes it and explains. Big room looks like someone's actually been there as opposed to the rest of this place. And there is a chair at the end that is turned away from us that novels have told me means that there is somebody sitting in that chair silly suggestion i could turn in i could turn into a mouse or something and go check it out without them realizing people are here as for projects the image of somebody of some like stereotypical novel villain turning around in the chair we're petting a cat l <laughs> <laughs> looks concerned and says maybe not a mouse a snake then and i'm figuring something small so that i can get in and out it doesn't have to be a mouse it could even be like a become the cat I could be a cat, but I think they'll notice a cat walking in. Unless you trick whoever is in the chair into thinking that you are their cat. In this book, Esper Red called The Godfather. I'm just giving a suggestion of like... I think it's a great idea. Yes, all right. Go in. Go in and check it out. We will be quietly waiting out here. Just yell if you get caught. You see Ma- You see Mochi. She's going to look over at L and tell L. I'm going to turn into a mouse, mostly because they're faster than bugs. I need you to open the door just enough for me to sneak in and I'll go check things out. You'll see her kind of focus and then start to shrink down her face elongating into a a mouse-like nose. And she turns into a small, a small little mouse. I open the door stealthily again. Remember, you, we all, we all still have that plus 10 to our stealths too, so... I would say you're on the very tail end of it. She sneaks down into a mouse shape and scurries into the room, kind of keeping to the edges and weaving in and out just like a mouse may. And she goes over to the other side of the desk. What is, uh, do you need me to roll stealth or anything or deception? I do. Stealth, please. 28. Yeah, so you are able to, as quiet as a mouse, (laughs) scurry along the edges and the perimeter of the room. and you come around and you see what you believe is a person sitting in the chair facing the window just looking out their skin is very very shallow and gaunt can i smell them and see if i perceive if they're dead yeah do perception that's a dirty 20 he is not dead but he has a close relationship with death he um his skin is it's got that gray but he also on his face has a painted skull on the top half of his face so from like nose up is the painting of a skull his eyes are a deep dark maroon and he wears heavy robes that look like they're silk and the hood is up last question does he have the sinister villain cat on his lap <laughs> He does not, unfortunately, but he is just kind of like doing that thing 
where he has most of his fingers interlaced except for his forefinger and thumb are pressed together and he's got it up to his chin. Gross. He's going to finger death us as soon as we walk that fucking door. I scurry back and not getting out of my wild shape just yet because if I need to go back, explore anything else as a, as a small creature, I want to stay where I am. And I just kind of think think towards Esper, hoping that this is how it works, where they don't have to open those, those to them. And I just kind of send them the image of what I was seeing. So I slightly startle a little bit at the image suddenly appearing in their head. Um, look at the other two and then project the image into their minds. I then put in the image to Esper of like a mouse on their shoulder. As soon as they come out of the door, they put a hand down and put them on their shoulder. Does Sylvie recognize... Sylvie does recognize this person. This is Revan Wraith Touch. Fucking knew it. So, okay, so maybe Sylvie is like, all right, we definitely don't want to fuck with him if we don't have to. So my vote is let's go downstairs and see if the vault produces anything. And if not, then we can come up and fuck with him, but should be avoided if possible. Okay, we should be quiet. We would like to stealth down the stairs. Well, if you would like to do that, you know what you need to do. <laughs> Pay the toll and give me the rolls. <laughs> okay, so, and there's a plus 10 on top of this? Yes, but this is the last time. So that's a 39. <gasps> what did you get? A, thir- a 39. Do you know what I got? Actual 20? A natural one. No! <laughs> well, it's a good thing you had a fucking plus 10. What's your stealth normally? Still a natural one. Yeah, the total would have been um, 13. Lucky 13. <laughs> it's funny. I try it every time and it never works. Let me know what everybody else rolls. I have 23. I mean, I technically I got a 26, but like I'm on Esper's shoulder. I don't think I even count. You do count because you could make a noise. I am going to allow L's fucking roll. <laughs> to half and give to you can i'll just carry me down the stairs as i go to trip <laughs> yeah so you <laughs> can one of us just like catch the back of their shirt when they go to fall down the stairs yeah yeah um you trip and l like monk uses yes! monk abilities i'll even i'll even spend a key point i love it you don't have to you rolled a fucking 39 that's wild you don't have to do shit that's so cool yeah, so you see it coming. You see Sylvie start to trip on the hem of her robe, and you just casually reach a hand out, grab her hood, and pull her back. And she just looks at you and goes, that was close. Thank you so much. Elle puts a finger to Elle's mouth. Oh, yes. Sorry. And we traipse on down the stairs. And you traipse on down the stairs. Back to the third floor with the giant fuck-all safe deposit box. <sighs> Missed my sight. Well, we all have a code, right? You all have two digits on a piece of paper. Are there any instructions anywhere in the room as to how many times it needs to turn in what direction? You would know just instinctually that with a lock this way, you would start at 100. And then you would go left five times, right four times, left three times right two times that's just how it works i'm really glad we we went to lock picking class so let us try 42 on the first one 37 on the second one 07 on the third one and 01 on the last one that's what i was gonna suggest nope love it (laughs) give me the first number seven you turn it four times 
and it clicks. Give me the second one. I'm not giving it. 37. Nope. Start over. Seven. Seven. It clicks. One. One. Nope. Start over. 742. It clicks. <laughs> 4237. It clicks. One. It clicks. <laughs> and you have solved my safe deposit box puzzle. <laughs> you pop this bad boy open and the door creaks open. Oh, loudly. Nope. It just creaks open. It's it's a heavy fucking door. Like you could genuinely knock each other out with this door. So you go in and there is um, just this one room, but each wall is lined with safe deposit boxes and all of the doors are open except for one of them. Box number 27. Check all the open ones first. Empty. I specifically check 0742, 37, and 01. And I would like to investigate the one that's closed for traps. Okay, yes. Esper's going to stay by the door. Okay, that's pretty good. That is a 24 total. No traps. And in those boxes, there are slips of paper. One slip in each box. Okay, I also check 02 to see if there's a slip in there. There is not. Okay. What do the slips of paper say? The slips of paper are entries from a set of battle plans. Mm -hmm. They're disjointed. They are not like a cohesive document, but there are bits and pieces of a plan on each piece of paper. I hand those over to Sylvie and pull out my thieves tools. Try to unlock. She takes the papers and she'll tell Elle, um, it doesn't seem trapped. Um, so I think you're good to go. Okay. Yes, that's an 18 plus... A million. Four plus three plus three. So you get this box open and the little door swings open and inside on a cushion is a circular glass ball. Check for traps. Okay, check for traps. Sylvie goes, wait. <laughs> I investigate the situation. That is a 15. There are no traps that you can see. <laughs> Sylvie will... We'll shoot her hand out and out of her hand is like a bigger version of her hand and it goes in and it will pick up the, she will pick up the glass sphere with her mage hand. Yeah, it's not 10 pounds, so you are able to hold it. What do you do? I bring it closer and I look at it. Give me an investigation check. That is a 19 plus seven is a 26. So you're looking over this glass sphere and you're expecting something like this to have an arcane stamp on it, but it is there is not. It is just a glass ball. We hold it over the papers that we found. It just magnifies the word. There's no like national treasure code to it. <laughs> what I am gonna do though, is while this is happening, on one of her fingers, she has an ornate gold ring that has like a small pearl on it and she's going to well it takes 10 minutes to cast it it's my reflavored magic item i want to cast clairvoyance on the room upstairs and just kind of while we're figuring stuff out down here watch what homeboy's doing upstairs okay i will say that you did this when you guys were able to pop that vault open so at the end of you gathering all of this stuff and walking back outside it activates you see homeboy just kind of sitting there watching outside of the window. And after a couple minutes, he reaches next to him where there's a drawer, slides it open, and you see a stack of papers. And the top of it says Objective Iris. And then he closes the drawer again. He knows you're watching. How often, what a how piece often of shit. Does he do that? 
Now he knows that we're watching. Can I make it? Can I make an insight check to see if I know that I know that, that if I pick up that he knows that I'm watching? Yeah. Okay. If it's a lich, he's got fucking true sight. He sees the orb. Okay, that's a thirteen. You don't know. I don't know. I just, I just love the idea that every fifteen minutes or so, he just opens oh, it. He's like, oh yes. <laughs> he's just an NPC waiting for us to enter the room. That's all he is, you know. She literally just like taps the ring twice, and like a little shimmer kind of goes across it. After she kind of waits and watches, Sylvie will look back at the group and say. All right. So, I mean, really lucky. I just guess I spied at the right moment, but he's up there <laughs> opening the draw and it says, what does it say? Project Iris? Yes. And it says, Project Iris. Um, I think that's what we need. <laughs> <laughs> Esper, narrate your face. <laughs> Esper tilts their head uh, sideways as, as if cocked and then... Um, Raises an eyebrow to an impossible height and go, there's so much doubt on their face. They really don't think it was a coincidence. Are you all right? Your eyebrow is going very high. Can he inside check that? <laughs> yeah. To see if they think that that's a coincidence or not. That's uh, 24. <laughs> Yeah, um, you've been around the block a few times. You know that people don't just casually open drawers <laughs> to check that their doc stack of documents is still safe <laughs> for no reason. Wait, let me do that right yeah. now. <laughs> okay, we're good. Are your documents okay? You have a pretty good idea that he probably knows, one, that you guys are here. Two, that you are close, if not have already been in the room. Okay, Esper projects that to all of them, projects the words on a piece of paper, writing themselves out. Like, I'm pretty sure that this person is aware that we're here and have already been in the room or are outside the door. They know we're watching. Super villains don't do shit like that. <laughs> okay, all right, that makes sense. <laughs> L looks at Sylvie. Yeah. You said that you know who this is. But you know him as part of the cult, so he knows you as a cult member. Yes, yes, yes. So you should probably disguise yourself before we go fight him. Well, I mean, or we can just go up and... What if I try to talk to him and you try to steal... I can make you invisible again. You're going to flirt with him. No, 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 no. He is not my type. He doesn't need to be your type for you to flirt with him. No, I, I would just be like, hey, um, what's his name? Hey, Revan. Revan. What you looking out the window for? Like that, you know? Esther's Let's like, try it. And <laughs> your mind projects the image of Sylvie's cover being blown. That I'm I'm really afraid that your cover is going to be blown. Yeah. Okay, she snaps her fingers um, and she casts Disguise Self on herself. Okay, hold on. She un she she goes to snap her fingers and then stops. Are we going up there to murder him? Because if we are, it doesn't matter if he sees me. Well, we don't know if the killing will stick. Mochi just squeaks. She's still a mouse. She's sitting she's been sitting on Esper's shoulder the entire time. And she just projects this idea to like she squeaks, you know, kind of like in the affirmation of like, you know, maybe we should, if necessary, projects to Esper's mind the the image of Mochi as a mouse scurrying back through the room again, getting underneath the desk, popping up as herself, and then just like 
casting moonbeam or call lightning on the dude from underneath the the desk before he realizes she's under there. But granted, he probably already knows she's there even as a mouse. From the image projected to them by Mochi earlier, can Esper make like a religion check or some sort of check to see if, if they recognize what they're dealing with right now? If this is a lich that they're about to fight? Sure. It's a dirty 20. He does not look like the traditional description of a lich. He looks like he might be in the beginning stages of it, but he is not a full-blown lich. Master projects wannabe lich question mark. Yes, yes. Very um, scary and dangerous. I do maybe have another idea. What if I go in there by myself, as myself, and I tell him that there are people who are trying to get the paperwork while... I am doing that. Mochi as a mouse? Well, no. Oh, I can turn you invisible and you can just steal the papers while his back is turned. And if it goes south, then we can do the whole um, exploding out of mouse form back into human form. And Esper, I'm sure you can do some cool magic stuff as well. Esper gives a thumbs up. Okay. Are we good? So she's going to tap you again. All right. What is happening? Okay. We're casting invisibility on L. Sylvie's going to go up there, not quietly, because she has nothing to hide. Okay. She's going to leave the door open long enough so that L can get in. And I think Mochi should go in as a mouse as well. Okay. And Esper's going to wait on the outside of the door, mm-hmm. just in case. And that's what we're going to do. And we're going to And see- you look like yourself, correct? Yep. Okay. So yeah, so you enter through the door uh, and Revan does not turn around. Okay. She clears her throat, assuming that Elle and uh, Mochi have had enough time to get in, closes the door kind of loudly, making eye contact with Esper as I'm assuming they're on the just right on the outside of the door. Mm -hmm. And she's like, have you not heard the rebels are trying to steal these documents they've gotten through? Are we doing nothing about it? Revan slowly turns the chair. (laughs) Of course he does. And levels you with a gaze and goes, yes, I know they're here. So what are we doing? That seems like something you would take care of. I mean, I guess I can just wait until they get up here and blast them with fire. Why don't you do that down there? What are you here for? I don't know. I thought maybe you might want some company You're up here by yourself. Revan looks at you and lifts his hand and you see dark mist coalesce through his fingertips and he sort of waves his hand Mm -hmm. as he casts dispel magic. Motherfucker. I feel like Elle is like right at the desk. (laughs) Elle is right at the desk. (laughs) Elle has been waiting for a chance. So um, when it's dispelled, Elle just shows up. And he looks at you, L, and he goes, hello. Before he can say that, L, realizing that L has become uh, visible, goes, tag, you're it, and punches. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, I will give it to you. Um, Give me a surprise. That's amazing. (laughs) Please use your sneak attack. (laughs) Natural 20. I am fully obsessed with That's this. That's amazing. That's 20 points of damage from the first one. 
And then I will quickly do my my second one, which is a 24 to hit. <laughs> yeah, that hits. And so that is another eight points of damage. Yeah, so he dispels magic and turns to you and he opens his mouth and you go, Yeah, you're it! And you just fucking deck him twice. <laughs> wait, wait, and then I'm gonna spend a key point okay. to make one more unarmed strike with flurry of blows. Okay. Yeah, fucking do it. A 17 to hit? That hits. So that is another five points of damage. Then I'm going to use feline agility when you move on your turn in combat you can double your speed until the end of your turn and i'm just going to leap away yeah so you fucking deck this man <laughs> three times and then just bounce away seeing as how i mentioned doing this before could we have said that i readied the action that when shit went down i popped out of my wild shape and i cast moonbeam on him yes cool so i need him to make a constitution save 15. So he passes, but it's half damage, which is a-okay. Give me that damage. This motherfucker thought he was going to monologue. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't let me monologue, so I kept it short and sweet. We don't do BBEG monologues around here. It's in Villain 101, guys. We got a monologue. So I got, that was 19, half to 9 radiant damage. And he is currently in a column of moonlight anytime he somebody enters that or starts their turn in it i get do more damage okay yeah so he gets decked three times and then a fucking moonbeam gets shot into his eyes um and now roll initiative <laughs> i take it esper can go in the room now <laughs> can Sylvie, as soon as he started like doing that thing with his hand, can Sylvie have shot out her mage hand to open the door and like beckon for Esper to come inside the room? Sure. Cool. Esper watches the shit show <laughs> that just happened. That's a six for my initiative. Elle was riding the high. Twelve. <laughs> Esper? I don't want to go first, um, but I will. Uh, it's fourteen. Nineteen. So, Sylvie, it is your turn. Cool. She's going to send her mage hand out to the desk. How much can she do with an action? Can she pull it open? She can pull it open. And he's face is he facing the drawer or is he facing away from it? He's blinded right now, so. Yeah, okay, so she's gonna send her mage hand out and open the drawer and then prepare to kind of grab the documents. Okay. So then that is your turn. So that is gonna be Revan's turn now. So Revan, leaps over the desk. First takes damage. Wait, first takes damage. Yep. That is an eight. It's gonna be like Alara's acid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's exactly what reminded me of. He takes a full 18 radiant damage. Hell yeah. Yeah, so as he jumps over this desk, the light still like penetrates his corneas and he just roars as he gets hit again. And he emerges from this burst Immediately, the first person he sees, which is going to be Mochi, he throws his hand out and casts Frostbite. Uh, it is a 17. That hits. That is eight points of damage. And that is going to be Esper's turn. Esper is going to look around the room real quick, snap their head around, taking in the scene. Like, okay, this person just got decked twice. Uh, why did Elle say 
bag, you're it. It catch these hands, essentially. Uh, um, and the moonbeam. Fuck. Uh, this is a shit show. So... It is the greatest shit show. It's the greatest shit show. It's the, it's, this is what they signed up for. <laughs> They're gonna walk into the room uh, very casually. They're gonna walk right up to Revan. They're going to reach a hand out and pat their shoulder sympathetically. <laughs> <laughs> Just condolences to them. They're gonna cast Inflict Wounds at second level. Okay, I was waiting <laughs> for it. I was like... <laughs> Right. Well, as they pack them, uh, pat them sympathetically. It's a twenty-four to hit, by the way. Yeah, that hits. Cool. I, th- I assumed they pat their hit- their shoulders sympathetically, and for a moment, it really just looks like Esper is just sympathizing with them, trying to like console them for being punched in the face and not being able to talk this out. <laughs> um, and then you see uh, like, and you see a pleasant smile on their face, honestly. And then the smile drops, and the colors of twilight wrap around their hand and like sink into this man and spread throughout their veins. And you see, you watch it spread almost like a necrosis as they cast inflict wounds for 5d10. What type of damage is this? I believe it's necrotic, so it'll probably be half damage, but no, it's 4d10. Okay, that's okay. That was a really good roll. That's 35 points of Holy necrotic shit. damage. We were surprised that they rolled well. Like, Well, I would do, there was, you know what? Let me have my fun, okay? <laughs> I personally can't let you have that fun. You deal this damage and you see that start to happen, but it doesn't actually take. He's immune to necrotic. He's immune to necrotic damage. Okay. Okay, so I good burned the spell for no reason. So now... Unfortunately, Esper, <laughs> that was a really fucking good roll, but he just sort of laughs at you, and that is uh, Mochi's turn. I'm still underneath the desk. Did he move away from the desk? He's in front of the desk. Okay. Is he still within that five foot? He moved outside of the column. So I'm just going to move the moonbeam and make him do another con save, please and thank you. Ten. He fails. That is 15 radiant damage that he takes in full. Beautiful. So you fucking blast his ass again. Yay! And he goes, not again! I'm just still crouched there, and I just, like, move it with my my hand a little bit, and I'm just like, okay. Well, I just stay there. I don't do anything else. That's all I'm doing. So, L, that is your turn. L reaches into L's top that L is wearing and pulls out this rod, this very strange looking rod, which L shakes once so that it springs open and three tentacles shoot out of it. And then L takes this rod and lashes the tentacles towards Revan. Each of these is going to make an attack. Only one of them hits because we have a natural one on one and the other one is a 12. Actually, for that natural one, still roll me damage. Okay. For the one that hits, that's six points of damage. It's gonna hit me. For the one that doesn't hit, it, or the natural one, that's one point of damage. You're not the one patting its shoulder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you whip this rod of tentacles at Revan. One hits, one goes wide, and the other one smacks Esper straight in the jaw <laughs> for one point of damage. Waver, you can't get away from it. Esper looks at Al dejected. <laughs> Very sad. Elle looks horrified. <laughs> and now we are at the top of the order with that tentacle punch to Sylvie. Sylvie, what are you doing? 
I am going to rake three of my fingernails across my forearm, causing a little bit of blood to form. And as it does, I'm gonna flick out my three fingers and three little more motes of fire are going to fly towards Revan as I cast Scorching Ray. Yeah. Nice. And that's a 17, a 17 plus seven, and a 13? The 13 does not hit, but the other two does. Uh, <laughs> that's really good. 22 points of fire damage. I rolled two nice. fives and two sixes. Amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, so two of these bolts find purchase in Revan's gut. The other one goes wild, but doesn't hit anybody. Thank you. <laughs> Natural ones have consequences. And the other one just hits the window and bounces off lightly. But that is Revan's turn. Revan is going to... He takes damage. <laughs> take damage. 18. He passes, but he still takes eight points of radiant damage. That's already half. Yes. Revan is going to screech again as the light burns his eyes. And he's going to step out of the moonbeam and flick his hand out. And that same black mist comes encircling his arm and extends outward. And by the time it dissipates, there is a necrotic blade in his hand. And he is going to whip around and strike at Sylvie. Sylvie, does an 18 hit you? Not when I cast shield, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) So he brings this blade down and you throw up a shield. What does that shield look like? So I think that as she kind of throws her forearm up, she kind of draws like in the air and this black smoke just kind of envelops her and it creates like a thick enough cloud that it can't penetrate. So bye. That happens, and in his absolute fury, he's going to burn a legendary action. From his form, this pulse of energy sweeps out, and I need everybody to make a wisdom save. That is a natural one. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah, that's a dirty 20. Okay, you pass. L does not pass. 25. Okay, Esper passes. It's an eight. Mochi does not pass. So L and Mochi... Are you still under the desk? Yeah, I haven't moved. Okay, so Mochi from underneath the desk and L, who is up in the business, you are both frightened. You do not want to hit this man. You want to get far away from him as possible. And that is Esper's turn. Seeing that necrotic damage doesn't do anything, kind of getting a little frustrated, and then having to make a wisdom, like make a save against something. They kind of wanted them to just go down quietly, but it's not going to happen. So they remove the hand off of the dude's, off of the person's shoulder, clap their hands together in a prayer motion, turn them clockwise so that they're kind of like facing out like bird wings, sort of. They pull them apart and between their hands coalesces this lightning electric energy. Same color theme as you've seen before. And they throw their hands out towards the person before them. Natural 20. It's a natural 20. Fuck him up. We have like seven this game. Six or seven. That's my first one. <laughs> this game. Power of queer. I'm stoked. Yes. Oh, that's so satisfying. 54 lightning damage oh, and uh, the next attack against them has advantage as they glow in a twilight coloration. So nice. you hit Revan square in the chest and he lets out this deafening cry as his body disintegrates into <gasps> smoke and seeps through the floor and you are out of combat. 
Hey, is he dead? Nope. Sylvie runs and grabs the papers. L is still scared, so L is going to run and use one key point to do Step of the Wind to go even further. L is on the third floor now. Moshi? She drops concentration, obviously, and books it. She books it outside. Only thing she can think to do. Mochi is down on the third floor with L. So when you guys get on the third floor, make me wisdom saving throws. Oh, that's better. 19. Five. Mochi's no longer frightened. L is still frightened. Okay. Uh, let's swing back up to the penthouse office. Sylvie and Esper, what are you guys doing? Raiding the place. <laughs> paperwork. I want to investigate for paperwork. Anything else? Can we give each other advantage or can we roll separately? Or Yes. Just roll. Somebody roll twice. Uh, you roll twice and I'll cast guidance on you. 26. Yeah, so you open the desk and there's a stack of papers intimately detailing how to create this iris. We got the goods. Your friends have run away, so we should probably go follow them. They nod and uh, head out the door quickly, kind of shaking their hands out because they're still a little bit tingly from the <laughs> attack. I'm going to catch up to L, and I grab L's forearm and I say to L, He's gone. You're okay. Take a deep breath. You got this. Roll wisdom save with advantage. That is a 14. You are no longer frightened. Yay. So yeah, you guys have gotten your objective and even more. You have the thing itself, like the iris that they were going to make. You have the apparatus. You have some plans and you take this to the safe house and it is a very, very good day. Yay. We did it. You've done it. High fives all around. We did it. Congratulations. That was awesome. Except now Sylvie is outed. She's no longer a spy. Mm-hmm. Sylvie has been outed. I pissed off Revan. I had so much fun. <laughs> Thank you for joining. Yes, of course. Me too. Thank Tag you. you're it. <laughs> that was a great little bit. I just picture them coming out of nowhere and just being like, Tag you're it. Like <laughs> come right down on them. I just, I love it. The visual. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening in and tuning in. And if you also want to help rescue Rainbow City, head on over to Awfully Queer Heroes Kickstarter for this absolutely amazing adventure. I had so much fun with this setting. It was literally so cool. Yeah. Honestly, you and your table will love every single moment of it. The Kickstarter is linked in the show notes and it goes live on June 1st. Head over and be a part of the Lions or part of the cultists if you swing that way. Thank you to our friends at Awfully Queer Heroes for letting us run this adventure. Thank, thank you. you. Yay, thank you. thank you. And remember, wherever you are in your journey, you are valid, you are accepted, and you are welcomed at our table. Yay. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Where are we heading? Sylvie knows where we're heading, right? <laughs> yeah, you're heading to the Allied. We're yeah. heading... We're heading to the Allied a lot. Do you want to say that again without the Oreo in your mouth? Do that like we're in a fucking podcast. Is there anybody on the streets? Like, are we just doing magic right in front of the bank? Okay. (laughs) Just making sure. Um, We're all holding hands hands in a circle. Kumbaya. (laughs) Best friend. Chanting softly. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yes, ma'am. All right. So. um, Yes, daddy. Okay. So if you would have repressed that button, it would have just started the countdown over. Motherfucker. I love it.
I have been waiting to use this puzzle for so fucking long. It's not even a puzzle. <laughs> I hate that so much. I hated that so much. We were like, what's happening? What's happening? I was like, we're going to die. I wasted a natural 20. I need you to know. <laughs> like, I am just so mad, but also so dumbfounded and happy about the how that went. You're so anticlimactic. I love it. I threw um, a puffball out, turned into a dog, and the dog just puffed away immediately. The dog died immediately. Like, that was so terrible. Dog. Puff. Fuck. You were like, it's, I throw out a puff, it's down. I wanted it That's to be it. a. I wanted a giant boar that we could hide behind or something. So for the it's, listeners it's, at home, Wayra just fucking chucked <laughs> the coin away. It wasn't even like a flip. Like a I little, don't. Like, I don't think they were even flip. aiming for the. No, I don't know what. Totally do it again. Take what was on the floor. <laughs> What was it on the floor? Floor coins don't count. Floor coins, floor coins count. count because otherwise we're just gonna have a repeat of this. It's heads. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. That's an eight. That's why I have to a plus to my perception. <laughs> plus oh, <eight>? sorry. <laughs> Holy shit. Never mind. Esper's gonna roll perception. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just roll a d4 and odds and evens? If you want. Is it painful for you to watch me try to scramble to catch this? So it singes the top of this desk, and once again, you hear it roar in pain. Aw, I feel bad. Why do you get? I don't know. It's so weird. It's a desk. I'm like, I feel it's bad. trying to murder you. I know. It is now the mimic's turn. It is now the mimic's turn. I don't know why. I, I literally it. have the initiative tracker okay. in front of my Listen. fucking face. The mimic uh, doesn't need to where go. Where you fucked it up when you were like, I want to hold my turn. <laughs> and everything just fell apart after that. That's a strong wizard. My niece rolled my stats for Sylvie, and she rolled really well. And I think I'm going to have her roll my stats from now on. <laughs> okay, she snaps her fingers, um, and she casts Disguise Self on herself. Um... Sylvie turns into, hold on, I don't even know. Let's see. Um, a blonde, a blonde haired bombshell. A blonde a bombshell. No. Um, I, why, how, did we, how did this turn into Sylvie flirting with this guy <laughs> as a man? How did we get here? This honestly, is- honestly, Elle just wanted, just wanted Sylvie to turn into a blonde Bombshell. bombshell for for Elle's sake. Okay, does Elle tell? Not does for that. Elle say that to Sylvie. <laughs> no. Okay, because she would turn into a blonde bombshell for you, but not not for that guy. <laughs> nope, that was a Laura. Hold on. Um, <laughs> um, you lasted so long. 